In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Dear faithful, last Sunday's Gospel presents us with the striking image of the severe punishments that await those who will not forgive their enemies in this life. A servant is given an extension to pay his debt by his master, but he refuses the same act of mercy to one of his own servants, who owes him a certain amount of money, and he reaps his just reward when his evil deed becomes known. But he's thrown into prison to be tortured until, by his sufferings, he will have paid off the entire debt. Now, there are multiple lessons to be taken here. One is that God's mercy does not cancel out his justice. The two exist side by side. And there is such a thing as false mercy, and we must not condone it. It is not an act of mercy to relax the teachings of our Lord in the Gospels, for, the, for example, on the necessity of not living in grave sin in order to be, be able to receive worthily Holy Communion. We all know that there is a growing number of individuals these days who treat Christ's commands as mere ideals to be strived for. According to them, in this complex modern world we live in, we have to understand that certain gospel imperatives are simply too difficult to observe, at least for novices to the faith. According to this opinion, the best that we can hope for from modern man is a gradual tending towards full obedience to Christ and his church. And if his current conduct permits him to break certain precepts of the faith, no need to mention it in confession, no need to try, to try and amend his life immediately, but maybe someday. But who among us cannot see that this is an utter charade of authentic Christianity? It's not he who falls through weakness and repents who will be rejected by our Lord, but he who attempts to justify his sinful lifestyle as a valid compromise something provisional until he'll feel strong enough to obey. But remember, dear faithful, the words of, our, of St. Paul in the epistle today. To paraphrase, charity compels us to know and to understand more and more what are the better things, what are the true virtues, the true goods of our souls, and to choose those. Charity does not mean indiscriminate love of everything and every behavior that individuals may choose to engage in. I know it's coming to us from more and more Catholics, more and more bishops, even, even from the very top. We hear phrases. We hear not to be barricaded in our certainties. Well, I don't see what is so wrong with barricades. I've never had a problem with fortresses or ramparts. Might even add my spiritual machine gun turret, shooting down the demons and the heresies. There's nothing wrong with any of this. It's for the defense of the truth 
the good, the beautiful, to be rigid in the truth simply means to do as our Lord has commanded us to do, because his words shall never pass away, even, in, even if heaven and earth shall pass away. But a second and no less important point is that despite how difficult it may be, we must forgive from our heart those who offend us in this life. The primary reason we find forgiving so difficult is that it depends in such a large part on our humility, and the majority of us are so filled with pride. It can be a temptation to think that we aren't all that prideful. Not all pride, though, is a matter of parading around, making a showy display of our greatness. For many of us, pride is often hidden from view, our own and that of others. Pride doesn't have to mean constantly talking about our accomplishments, putting ourselves in the spotlight. It can, al it can also mean refusing to speak simply, refusing to say what we mean, refusing to let our yes be yes, and our no be no, for fear of what others might think. Moreover, when we stop to consider our forgiveness compared to our Lord's forgiveness, we see how very weak we are. Take the example of someone who has repeatedly offended us. The first time they admit their faults and beg pardon, most of us are ready to do so with good heart. If the same person offends us again, we're probably still willing to forgive, even if with slightly more difficulty. If, however, the same person errs a third, a fourth, fifth, or however many more times, are we so quick to forgive them? Is it not the case that most of us, at that point, harbor in our hearts a seemingly well-earned store of righteous indignation? Is it not true that for many of us, it feels well near impossible to forgive such individuals? But it's important to remember that forgiveness is not primarily about feelings. Lingering feelings of anger against someone who has offended us many times, or only once, but very grievously, are normal. And it would be strange if we didn't experience them. But regardless of what we feel towards individuals, we can always make a decision, an act of the will, to pardon someone's offense. If our feelings toward that person do not change as a result of that decision, we do not need to be troubled by it. It's true we're not permitted to indulge or to stoke feelings of anger or the desire for revenge. The simple temptation to them is not sinful. Let no one say that God has commanded the impossible. If we can expect forgiveness so readily from our Lord every single time we confess our sins, is it not just to be willing to grant forgiveness readily to those who have offended us, even many times? 
An anecdote on the need for forgiveness, probably one of many, comes to us from the early church. There, there was a priest named Sapricius and a layman named Nicephorus who lived in Syria. Now, they had been the closest of friends, but a disagreement between them led to a falling out, an estrangement, which turned into a bitter enmity. Eventually, however, the layman, Nicephorus, came to his senses and realized that God willed their reconciliation. So he sent messengers to Sapricius to ask him for forgiveness. But his messengers were turned away, and Sapricius coldly refused to even consider the act of forgiveness. At the same time, he violated the Lord's commandment by continuing to minister at the altar while refusing to attempt the act of reconciliation with his brother. Finally, Nicephorus went in person to him, threw him at his feet, threw, threw himself at Sapricius's feet on his knees, begging his forgiveness, but even this had no effect. It so often happened, especially in the early church, a persecution ultimately broke out, and Sapricius was arrested. When he confessed Christ without fear, without hesitation, and refused to make sacrifice to the idol, idols, even under torture, he was condemned to be beheaded. Now, Nicephorus was distressed that his former friend might give his life in Christ's name while still unreconciled with him, and that he was on the verge of losing the opportunity to do so. So as Sapricius was being led to his beheading, Nicephorus went once more, fell before him on his knees and cried, Martyr of Christ, forgive me the offenses for which you are angry with me. But still, Sapricius coldly spurned his former friend's pleas. As the executioner was raising his sword, and the crown of martyrdom was only seconds away, God withdrew his grace from this hard-hearted priest who turned to the executioner and declared his readiness to commit idolatry, to save his neck. Nicephorus, taken aback, begged him not to apostatize, but his pleas fell on deaf ears. Nicephorus then turned to the executioner and shouted, I am a Christian. I believe in our Lord Jesus Christ, whom this man has just denied. Let him go and put me to death in his place. The governor agreed and ordered the release of Sapricius and the execution of Nicephorus. The martyr laid his neck on the block joyfully and claimed the martyr's crown, which Sapricius had thrown away. And his death, compared with the apostasy of Sapricius, is a striking reminder that forgiveness is an essential duty of the authentic Christian vocation, and that we dispense ourselves of it at the risk of losing our eternal soul. For as our Lord himself has taught us, for if you will forgive men their offenses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you your offenses. But if you will not forgive men, 
neither will your father forgive you your offenses. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen.